welcome. It's yet another Star to Steer by your Woo. favorite Star Trek watching podcast. This week we're doing more of the Enterprise. It's episode number 340. Woo! Wow. Woo. So by now, after all those episodes, you already know this is Ames. This is Caitlin. This is Jake. And this is Grace. Jumping into two Enterprise episodes this week, uh, it's uh, Flox tells you to be open-minded about fucked up alien cultures week. <laughs> you have to do it, because Flox told you so. Because uh, we're talk- looking at two episodes, uh, oh boy, Cogenitor and Oof. Regeneration. Wow, what a week. Why do I get the most complicated fucking episodes to describe? I didn't even take notes this week. I, I, I don't know if plot-wise neither is complicated, I'd say. It's the, the feelings they evoke. So many feelings. Okay, so let's start, oh boy, jumping, jumping straight feet first into Cogenitor. The way Phlox likes it. Gross. So, we're flying around doing the thing. We spot this, I think it was a hyper... Something hypergiant star, hypergiant star of some kind, and Archer's got an erection about it, and everyone's like, "Look at this thing!" Yeah, they'll send Pike to watch it go supernova. Oh, look, there's someone else also checking out this giant star thing. Uh, let's hail them and, and be their best friend. So we hail them. They're the Vizians, and their captain Drenik, played by Andreas Katsoulos. Hooray! It's great to see him. Tomalak. Uh, yeah, who played Tomalak? Other things. Jakar and Babylon oh, yeah, Five. Jakar. He's my favorite. Uh, so it's great to see him, and he, shockingly, thinks it's also great to see Archer, which never fucking happens. So Archer and he, immediate best friends. It's fucking adorable. So they're there, they're checking out ways that they can watch the Super via the Superstar thingy that they do. I thought you were to say Super Bowl. I was going to say Supernova, but fair. She's got sports ball on the brain. Trying. And meantime, they're like, hey, let's all do like a cultural exchange. You guys can come over here, we'll go over there. We'll look at all the things together. Hooray. So in Mess Hall, uh, Trip is introducing some ladies to ice cream, as is his want. He's done this before. Weird move, Trip. Oh, who, who else? I couldn't... Oh, the girl who was in the episode with Renee Bergenois. Oh, that's right! Yeah, yes. it's like, oh, my favorite's Rocky Road. But, you know, <laughs> we'll start you on vanilla. Because it's nice. Yeah, so those women are Velo and Tristana, and Reed comes over, and Velo's immediately like, mm, I like this one. Let's us talk for a while. And Reed's like, uh, sure. And Reed's down. But we'll get back to Reed in a hot second. Because Trip goes over to talk with their chief engineer. Never gets a fucking name for some reason. Cool. Kike. He, yeah, played by uh, F.J. Rio, who played Kike in DS9. We like him. Didn't we um, see him in a different... Like, um, yes, he was in a Voyager episode. Yeah, that's what I thought. And also his wife, Kala, and the trip is about to introduce himself to the third at their table, and they're like, oh no, it doesn't have a name. That is our cogenitor, because we are a species with three genders, and we have this extra, extra gender that's really only around to help with reproduction. And that's interesting. So Trip eventually is, you know, talking with Phlox, saying, what's that all about? And Phlox is... V- way too willing to talk about reproduction with Trip, so Trip yeets the fuck out of there and is talking with other people about, you know, it's kind of weird. They have this third person in their kind of, not, cu- couple plus third uh, that's only here for this thing, and everyone's saying, yeah, that's just how they do, you know? 
As Fox says, be open-minded about the other cultures, all this thing. But Trip decides, yeah, but this person uh, seems that they're a person. And I should treat them like a person because I'm Trip and I'm a good guy and all this thing. I wonder if they can read and if they actually are as stupid as the their, their co couple people say they are. Uh, let's find out. Archer goes off ship for, what, three days with Drenik? So they better be best friends. In the tiniest fucking pod. Where are they pooping? <laughs> In front of each other, evidently. <clears throat> Uh, but they're off, so so Archer's not around to, to babysit anyone who's just kind of just doing shit all over the ship. All over the ship. FJ Rio is helping Trip with lots of engine stuff. Meanwhile, Trip is trying to pry lots of information about how cogenitors work, and it's the kind of stuff that's like, why don't you don't bring this stuff up in polite conversation, Trip? But all right, we're talking about this quite a lot. Uh, well, they might do it though, because we find out that uh, Reed's little friend is very oh, yes. uh, that's very true. She is forward. very yeah. Yeah, Velo tells Reed as Reed has been like feeding her cheese and stuff, and it's a cute little date until you know she's like, okay, now we should fuck, and Reed's like, what? what? <laughs> because I guess in their society, fucking comes before dinner. Fascinating. Before dinner, but after cheese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cheese is the aperitif. Cheese is very heavy. I wouldn't want to do a lot of fucking right after cheese. But it is, like, this does just add to the age-old adage that cheese is the way to a woman's heart. You're not wrong. Cheese to fucking key to anyone's heart. Do yeah. you love a cheese? Meanwhile, so Trip has, like, is basically just sneaking around the Vizian ship at this point until he sneaks into the quarters of Chief Engineer No Name and Kala to talk with the cogenitor, and he talks with them quite a while. He teaches them to read in fucking half an hour. He teaches them go. They watch movies together. They do the whole thing, and you know we're we're starting to really think, wow, this cogenitor has been just being kind of like repressed by these people and never getting a chance to be a person. And Trip is trying to advocate on their behalf quite a lot until until they decide, oh, they want their name to be Charles, like Trip's name, which is. Very cute and heartbreaking because now Trip has kind of like instilled in their brain that they should seek asylum. And this is the time when Archer is getting back and learning that, oh dear, first contact is going poorly because we don't have a prime directive yet, so we don't know what to do. They've asked for asylum, but also these people need this person to be the cogenitor of this couple, and also this is how their culture works and not ours. And, oh god, everything is hard. Everyone is, is at, at heads, so let's take all this out by screaming at Trip. Wow. They give uh, Charles back, again, heartbreakingly, until we learn later. Okay, they've left. We're still best friends with Drenik, because Drenik's a good guy, uh, and who eventually tells us, oh, the cogenitor, we will call them Charles, Charles uh, killed himself. And Trip feels really, really bad about this. And Archer thinks he should. And, I mean, everyone should. Everyone should feel bad watching this episode, because that's kind of its point but also i'm not quite sure what its point is and whose side it thinks we should ever be on so i'm very confused how i should be feeling about this as an episode i have been saving so much hate for don't, don't, archer please yell as little as possible oh, no, i'm not gonna yell okay but i have been saving so much loathing for archer for this episode i mean he did fucking fumble it i I have been easy on Archer because I was trying not to let my memories of this episode oh, pre I haven't been easy on Archer at all, so... You know, that too. But I was just like, every time in the back of my mind when I were defending Archer, I'd be like, oh, come on, come on. I know it's because we were coming here someday. 
fuck this guy. Mm. Worst captain. They asked for asylum. Well, you know what? You know what? And that was what? like the one thing that I feel like Trip like didn't kind of just suggest. Like she, yeah, they reached that. Was, that, that was their on idea. their own. Yeah, they said, "I don't want to go back to my people. I'm gonna stay with you." Yeah, and it was clear when they said that. Trip's face was like, "Oh, oh hell, fuck!" Yeah. Like I we can, up now. we can compare this episode a lot to something like. Half a life in mm. which Timison is just carrying out his culture's norms and stuff with their oh the name of the their ritual suicide is god of my brain the, mediation the, the, said the uh, fuck the it's like devotion or something uh, it's either way we know whatever it is yeah that, their that, their ultimate demise their thing. awful culture idea yeah but eventually Timison asks for asylum and mm-hmm. and Picard has to say well. You asked for asylum, therefore now I'm involved, now, and therefore I can grant you asylum. Until it's ent- entirely a different... Someone else is coercing and convincing Timison to do his thing. It's all on Timison at that point. Not on Picard or Luxana, who are doing the right thing. What drives me crazy about John's self-righteous little speech is that the only reason he's actually mad is because he wanted these guys' toys. Yeah. That's well, he, all yeah, he liked, how, it is. How liked, dare you make me have a fight with my new best friend? Yeah, he, he liked he liked daddy's uh daddy Tomalock's and his uh, Corvette. <laughs> Corvette and like yeah, because here's the thing. Yeah, there under no circumstances would Archer have forced Charles back to that ship if it weren't for that. Well, it's like Tucker even says it like I I learned it from watching you and it's like yeah, actually he he did, John. This, like you said, Caitlin, or what do you do? No, it was me. He, this is exactly what Archer would have done, and he's only angry because he didn't get to do it. Well, yeah, and he's he threatening. He was too busy hanging out with his new daddy. Yeah, he's threatening this this friendship, which you know I, I've said it for years. Yeah, yeah, you can't make a culture change its ways. I get it. You don't have to be friends I with know. them. No, at the end, when when they're saying, oh, I hope this doesn't affect our friendship, you know, we'll, we'll come in, we'll trade friendships bracelets next week, and we'll see you We'll see you at the cookout over the summer and all this thing, and my brain is screaming, don't hang out with these people. Well, I would certainly hope that the uh, cogenitor taking their own life rather than living within the fucking horrible restrictions that have been placed on them would be enough for Archer to be like, maybe we don't hang out anymore. I mean... Starfleet, the Federation does have a really bad history of being friends with people they shouldn't be friends with. See Riker. The outcast. Thank you. Or, as I love bringing up, that time they traded with one side of a civil war but claimed they weren't interfering. Oh, the high ground. Yeah. Like, it's classic Federation, it's not hypocrisy per se, but it's like, it always makes me uncomfortable. Again, like, fine, you have a, a, a non-interference clause, I get it. But again, if you find someone does something that you should find morally reprehensible. Don't be their buddy. Mm. And the one thing I find comforting is by TNG, they still can't fly that close to a star. So clearly yeah. bridges are never mended between the Federation and these people. So good. That's they seem good. I like awful. that reading. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the culture is just so backward that mm-hmm. like there's, Unless they figure it out on their own that, oh, this, like... Because it's not really explained why the cogenitor is treated so poorly. Like, like what about it is... Uh, I, nece- makes it necessary that they be 
left as second-class citizens and not allowed I, to read and things. I would imagine if they had more freedom, a will of their own, some of them could decide they don't want to be involved in this process. And there's only... There are, there are very... There's so few of them. Yeah, they're yeah. like 3% of the population. Hmm. Um, I wonder why there's only 3% in the population and what you do... What what your life is if you have one. That's what I think. These people are so eager for a kid. Like, imagine if you have a cogenitor. They must, like... Yeah. Just sell it. Maybe there's, like, a, an institute you drop them off at. Wasn't that in an episode we saw so not long ago? Duh. Maybe a different show entirely I was watching. I feel like there was something where, like, someone was born, but they were taken away immediately because they were part of some sort of subclass. That wasn't Enterprise or uh, Voyager or anything? Or... Uh, it's not ringing a bell. That might have been something else I was watching then. It, later. it definitely came up in some show I was watching where, like, He's like, oh, yeah, I've got a baby brother. It's like, oh, wait, no, you don't, because your baby brother is actually from this subgroup, and we're giving them away. Hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. But, yeah, I would imagine that's why. You just repress their will so that they just do whatever they're told. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Because yeah. it sounds like they just, because there's only 3% of the population, and they are needed for procreation. Yeah, and education is power. Knowledge yeah. is literally yeah. power. They just kind of get passed around. It's very uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Oh, it is. It does feel very like that. Because, like, you know, the way they make them, at least they sort of have a name, but they take their names and just make them like, your name is now the property you're of Jake, because mm. you're Jake's property now. Yeah, and I feel like that book, that book had, was, I assume, had been out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I think like it came out in the 80s or yeah. something, 80s? didn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, it's been out for a while. So, I wonder, yeah, because this, this, this actually does... Seem very similar in a lot of ways to that book, and I wonder if that was at all used as inspiration for possibly. Interesting. If anybody knows, it's Ames. Uh, if it if it was online anywhere, I didn't see it referenced. What mm. I have seen online reference is like I said, I don't know how to feel about this episode because I don't know what this episode was trying to say. Agreed. Because the couple of reviews I read about this basically said, "Oh, this episode made me so angry, so angry. Why was Trip being such a moron?" What, what Archer is so right in everything he said to Trip, and oh, it's so good to see like the arguments on both sides about like you know Prime Directive, which doesn't exist yet, and why it's so important in the future that we have it. And the whole time I'm thinking, but they asked for asylum, mm -hmm. like that. You can't ignore that part of this episode because the the like, Prime Directive that doesn't even exist yet is being broken. Yeah. So it's like I don't, I can't tell. If that was what the episode wanted, or if the episode wanted you to be on Trip's side, which feels like what it always wanted to me. Mm. In which case, it's successful, because I felt, thought, like, enraged by the end when Archer's yelling at Trip. You know, it's interesting. It's like last week how we were saying that, you know, a character having flaws makes them interesting. But uh, Archer already had so many, I'm not sure why they <laughs> bothered with yeah, this. Yeah, you need to have some positive qualities. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, he I, likes dogs. We haven't even seen Porthos in a week, so... He did show up in this episode. Did he? I didn't even right before Archer was informed about the suicide. Oh. Notice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what... Because, like... Yeah, I don't know whose side the episode is on either. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to weigh this episode against something like Dear Doctor, mm. where there's a, oh, we can't get involved in their... in the evolution of these people and all this thing because of non-existent prime directive and whatever else is going on and archer may also making a fucking wrong decision that episode mm -hmm. but is he like is there a consistency or is it just that he's whatever the option is he will find the most fuck up thing to do yeah i well it's also like i like the congenitor 
committing suicide at the end. Like, seems to be, it's meant to be kind of a knock on what Trip had done. And now, oh. yes, admittedly, he did kind of fuck up in that he isn't trained in this sort of thing. Right, yeah. You know, there, there's probably a proper way to, I don't know, un, to, to do what he did. And there's that. But I don't know if it's necessarily meant to be, like, condemning everything he did or just the fact that this is why even if you do want to change something, you have to be... Go through the right channels. Delicate. Careful. I don't... It, don't just do it on your own when it's not something you're trained in. Like, I, it's so weird. Like, if it wants me to be more pro-Prime uh, Directive, they failed. Um, I'm more annoyed by it than ever. Mm, yeah, I mean, it, I definitely would have assumed throughout this episode that we're supposed to think that Trip is doing the right thing. Yeah. And then by the and then at the end, but is he doing it well? Oh, he yeah. may or may not be doing it well. I don't think. But that's, it's still right. It's still right. Well, but it nothing is done wrong until they turn them back over to the people it, after they true. asked for fucking asylum. Yeah, exactly. That's like everything exactly else. Right. I mean. Like, should, okay, should Trip have gotten involved? Okay, like, maybe not, right? Like, maybe it's kind of weird to decide that you're going to fuck with someone's whole society. That said, if you met another human, humanoid creature, thing, that, not thing, but like... Being. Someone that looked, thank you, being, like, who seemed like a person who you've confirmed that has just as much capacity for intelligence and learning... And, like, all the same feelings and shit as you do, but they were being treated like a fucking marital aid. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like, who among us wouldn't be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I would lose respect for Trip if he just was like, oh, that's cool, bye. Like, (sighs) happen. Yeah. I I don't know. This is a fucking frustrating episode. It really is. And it was gross how, like, here's the thing, some... This is something I have difficulty with in uh, today's in today's world because there are some people who prefer the pronoun it, and oh, I, I yeah, and I cannot refer to a person as it. Like it just and I and I feel bad, but I can't do it. And I re- it, that like as soon as that started happening in this episode, especially knowing that it wasn't like the cogenitor's choice, I was like, ooh. Yeah, but well, I think that was deliberate. I think the writers wanted us to feel gross oh yeah no doubt i agree i yeah like i think you know before we started this we were discussing sort of the proper way to refer to the congenitor with modern sensibilities which is why we just settled on they but you know the discussions in 2002 three whenever we are right now we're a little different so you know like what comes off a little insensitive now is tripping on it looks more like a she is like oh god for the time that's borderline progressive i guess but yeah i think there was no question then that just they were trying to make you upset by having people refer to the congenitor as an yeah. it. Well, and I think that I think that having um, Trip use she pronouns was a choice to show that he was refusing to refer to the congenitor as it. Yeah, know? I just think you know they could have just gone with they. Yeah, um, I just I just don't know if as a gender neutral singular pronoun if they was in wide. I don't think it was, was, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure the writers were aware of it as a concept and could have just had had him go, oh, they, you know, that can yeah. mean. But, you know, you got to make allowances for the time, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've been 
English teachers used to give you a shit for using the singular they, though. Yeah, what the fuck do they know? Mm. <laughs> There's a great Saturday morning breakfast cereal comic that, you know, mocks the fact that, uh, you know, they were making fun of modern grammarians being like, oh, you know, kid asks a question, oh, can I do this? And it's like, oh, let's see what a bunch of 17th century shut-ins obsessed with Latin decided. So. It's octopodes, and no, and no one can tell me otherwise. Mm -hmm. Grammarians are the most exhausting people. Yeah. I say this as an English major. <laughs> There's a couple rules I stand by, but mostly it's like, you know, language is fluid. All yeah, there's some basic stuff for but comprehensibility. If you, but, if you don't, but if you mistake hanged and hung, I will slap you in the face. <laughs> well, as long as you're comprehensible, like, it's fine. Yeah, I was ready because, you know, I watched this episode when we did our Prime Directive blogtivity. Check it out on the Tumblr someplace. It's one of our better ones, and I just remember because I watched this episode and thought to my and watched and thought to myself, okay, I can see being very angry at the end of this, but that seems to be its point. And now we and now reading other people's synopses of it, it's like I don't know if that was its point. Like I know with something like the Outcast, you're supposed to also feel that same level of rage at the end, and that was its point. Yeah. Like. um... I have a non-binary friend who's a Star Trek fan. Mm -hmm. They watched The Outcast, utterly fucking hated it mm. because the episode forces Soren to go back to be, have, being a gender that wasn't the one that she chose. Right. And you're supposed to feel like that's the wrong move, but we couldn't do anything about it. Mm. And Riker was the was the one who was making all the choices on behalf of Soren. And I'm curious what uh, my friend would think of this episode. Let me reach out to them and ask. Mm. Yeah, it's it's... Like I said, I think the end complicates it. In that it's like, wait, I, I'm supposed to be mad at the horrible aliens, not Trip, right? Right? I don't know. I don't know what they actually want. I mean, here's the thing. I am mad at the horrible aliens, not Trip. But I don't know if that's actually what the writers wanted. I just kind of wonder if the writers thought like, oh, Archer's such a great guy and he's just doing such a great job out here in space and he loves his crew. You see him maybe, surfing? Like, maybe they do think this is them adding a flaw. And maybe by 2003 sensibilities, he was a rad guy, you know? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how anybody could be watching this show and think that Archer is a remotely competent captain. He's a dipstick. Point. Yeah. He just makes bad judgment call after bad judgment call the whole show. I get you're, ma you're making it up as you go along, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's when you, you surround yourself with very competent people. Oh, wait, the one competent person who's been making this argument you're going to utterly, utterly ignore and then scream at for being the only, like, ethical person on your crew? Well, it's just because, uh, you know, Tripp's just some old hayseed from... Florida. 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 And, you know, we don't do it like that down here in Florida or Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> Random. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, did they throw a dart at a map? Maybe no so. Idea. Weird. I mean, I, there's nothing inherently wrong. It's just like, what, what a strange... Think like, of another place on Earth. Uh... Just Or just have him say Earth and leave it at that. You didn't need two examples. Yeah. It's such a strange line. I mean, to Paul, it kind of makes sense why she's, like, very upset about this. You know, because Vulcans are, would definitely not get involved. Well, they wouldn't have even called the guy, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> oh, they must be also looking at this sun thing. Carry on. <laughs> and Phlox didn't care, because he's a little too open-minded. She's like, hey, whatever terrible things a culture do Phlox is fine is like, by me. I want to watch. 
He would yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. I love the line he gives. Some, well, mating habits are personal. Except for me, flocks. Let me show you my porn. <laughs> Except for me. Flocks. That was, oh, God, before the episode got really just bleak. You know, just like, I could tell you about it. No, no, that's okay. Ah, oh, pictures then. No, no. <laughs> it is interesting, though. So Come with me to my corner. Since, since, since this species requires a third gender to actually procreate, you, like, banging is no problem. And, like... Like they show that with uh, with with Reed's new. To be fair, we don't know who else can get pregnant by things like in the Trip gets pregnant oh, episode. Yes. That's true. Trip or uh, Reed now has space herpes. Um, herpes. But I would notice something about that. So when she said that, like, oh, it's customary on my world to have the dinner after the coitus. Mm. We never see a scene of them having dinner together. <clears throat> so I'm gonna guess that it was. She was none too impressed. <laughs> Turns out they're actually one of the few humanoid species in the fucking Alpha Quadrant that isn't compatible. Oh, Where do I compatible? This? Reed just trickster. Tr- sorry, I'm sorry, but what? Where do I? How does any of the? I'm gonna go. If only we were the other type of mermaid. <laughs> Woo! Woo! That one got Chris. <laughs> Can I, trying to make a point. Yeah, sorry. Can I just say why I think this whole thing is especially ridiculous? Sure. Every single couple on that planet relies on a cogenitor to be able to make babies. What should actually be happening, if you're not going to treat them like your equals, is that they should be treated like fucking superiors. Mm, there like is a... no way. You put them on a pedestal. Yeah, like, like a... legitimately though, you know, like if if the only way you could reproduce, you would be I mean, people would be having to, like, duke it out to get their favor, to, like, get their blessing on their trying to have a baby. Like, they did it wrong. And maybe that just means that, I don't know what, maybe it's a later mutation. Like, I don't know how you could get to this place. You feel like they'd be set up in, like, these um, rules and, you know, like, it's... Like, oracles in ancient Greece just have little, like, temples for them and shit. Yeah, I just don't see, I don't see this being how this shakes out. No, that's true. Because every single person relies on them. No, since there's so few of them. Yeah, well, they would obviously th- have the disadvantage. Yeah, that I think is the major factor, is since there are only, what, 3% of them. Yeah, 3%. And you know, only one on this ship, it's easy to lock them in a room. Maybe once upon a time there were more and something happened, some sort of disease that only affected the cogenitors somehow, or... No, I think it's more likely that... Uh, the rest of the people realized that they had them outweighed mm-hmm. or out outgunned, outmanned, and just decided to. Yeah, your version would make for it. Keep them down. Fun story, though. Mm. I will say, like as frustrating as this episode's conclusion was for me, and the fact that it's kind of left you in this spot of like disagreeing with the main protagonist's conclusion and the choice. I do have to say, for a, for an Enterprise episode, this was pretty good at in in the sense of provoking thought and emotion. Oh, definitely. You know, like a lot of Enterprise episodes are like this one. Yeah, okay, this one is. Yeah, it's sort like of oh, a, this this is more like these other episodes yeah. or movies or this or that. And this one yeah, is also not immune to that. I mean, obviously, the Outcast comes to mind. But it is. It's Half a life. Oh, um, yeah. like I mean, there's you know. Yeah, all all episodes with a moral sort of thing have a thing, but like this is have a thing, or, a similarity. <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like this one is 
new. Yeah, exactly. I get, I give them a lot of credit. I've you know I've complained about how creatively bankrupt this show sometimes feels, but this this is a, original. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting, and I feel like it focused on the wrong thing. Like what Half a Life did pretty well was focus on like Picard's sort of struggling with what to do with this with with Timison. And, and with Luoxana, who's very vocal. Well, like, yeah, exactly. Like, Luoxana is <laughs> on one shoulder saying, you can't let them do this. You know, and it, like, basically throws this whole relationship. I think the other thing that, that this episode, Cogenitor, adds to that dynamic is how technologically superior. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing about, like, in TNG, if... Picard's like, no, no, Timison can stay here. There's nothing that those people can do about it. Like, they yeah. said, they were like, oh, we will open fire. Picard could kick their ass, <laughs> right? Single handedly. Yeah. Like, the Enterprise could take them and they would just leave and Wall never, and never talk to, this, com- to, to this, this planet again. But in this show, A, I'm sure, well, as we know, they have photon torpedoes. Mm-hmm. Among, oh, yeah, I'm sure other true. other better, They're very advanced, uh, advanced weaponry. So if they needed to, they could take out the Enterprise. I'm sure. I mean, they don't even need to raise shields, probably, because yeah. their ships can dive into suns. Yeah. So it's it's there's that dynamic which they never do bring up. You're right. Which they never bring up. Which would have been like the fact that they had set up that scene with Reed and the you know and talking about the the armaments. It would have been interesting, perhaps, if. Archer had at least tried to do the right thing. But the fact that he makes the decision to do the wrong thing off screen of all places. Mm. He does that an awful lot. Yeah. He did the same thing in Dear Doctor where he just throws it. Mm. Oh, I did. I made the decision and it was in right. It's even, it's even worse. It's like, it's like to Paul walking him down the hallway. And like, I think you made the right choice before we even know what that choice is. Which... Here's the thing, though. In this situation, if T'Pol said it's the right choice, you know what choice he just made. And sorry, T'Pol, you're wrong this time. Yeah. When T'Pol says you made the right choice, you, you probably, know you, you made the wrong you choice. You probably just got someone killed. Yeah. I mean, there have been many, many times where they didn't listen to Paul when they should have. One of the few times he does, he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> She's wrong. They're all wrong. Don't be friends with these people. But they got cool chefs. <sighs> hey, let me go I really surfing. I like their video games. Oh, they like our Shakespeare. Oh. Well, the thing is, like, the captain seemed like a cool dude. Yeah, we yeah like but he's him. still from this terrible, horrible culture oh, that's Oh, yeah, yeah, awful. yeah. I'm not saying that that makes it okay. I'm just saying, like, you know, I can understand why uh, Archer was taken in by his coolness. Yeah. I also think, because the first thought that I would have is, is when Phlox is describing, because they don't actually examine the congenitor. Yeah, Trip waves a wand over them and he's like, ah, look, Phlox, check this out. The Phlox is like, oh, it's probably like some kind of reproductive enzyme that yeah. they provide. It would be interesting if Phlox had like done the analysis and be like, huh, I can synthesize that enzyme. There's no there's no need for the cogenitor. I can create some cogenitor juice right here uh, in the that's lab. That's kind of fascinating. Cogenitor juice. <laughs> I mean, call it something like, else, but... Like then, like that adds a whole new layer because it's like a cogenitron. Doctor Flox's baby tonic. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I had to say that. Go on. We could potentially have, like, like on one hand, it's like, oh yeah, okay, we could potentially do away with this entire like slave race of people, but also, but then what happens to them? 
They like, get integrated into society. Oh, that's the yeah, that's the that's the bright side. Like yeah, I know. Because more more likely than not, knowing how the rest of these people feel about cogenitors, yeah, the real answer is let them die. Yeah, fired. They they all get fired out of a cannon into the sun, which they can get close to, but probably not inside of. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the thing. Like, if they're so damn advanced, do you think they would have just made their own Doctor Flox's baby tonic? Yeah. That's true. So Smug maybe pricks. maybe maybe baby tonic isn't actually a thing, um, but and yet we keep talking about it. Because then because then you could have really Strawberry felt flavor. you could really could have felt bad about them, or not bad about you you could have felt like oh man these are really shitty people. Mm. Like it's one thing if it's like a biological requirement. It's another thing if it's like no no they're choosing to do this because they like it. Yeah. God, that was like like the porter is serving you meals, being forced to serve you meals in the mess hall, as as F. J. Rio says. I did think I thought though that that was kind of an interesting the way because he 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 set that up, he set Archer yeah. up, with yeah, that, with that line. He did, and it was an interesting way of putting it. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting when you don't understand a culture. So, like, maybe there is an element we don't see it in the show, but maybe there is something else there that is would make it seem better i don't know i think he's just trying to defend a shitty culture fair you know like i think he's just like well you you don't understand us it's like how often you hear me so you just don't get it and it's like no your views are just reprehensible (laughs) like um, yeah i've read up on it you're still bad if your views are slavery good yeah there's no then mm, you're wrong there's no nuance to that there's no counter argument you can possibly make that was something that really oh the slaves liked it yeah That was one thing that really pissed me off, too, in John's little fucking rant. Like, oh, now there's a baby that's not going to be born. Oh, shut up, you pro-life ad fuck. Yeah, no shit. Like, what was that super conservative anti-abortion garbage all of a sudden? Right? Like, I know that's not technically what it was, but it's like, you, they, now it can't even have a chance. I don't know, it technically might have been exactly what it was. Well, but there wasn't actually. What if it was born a cogenitor? Yeah, you know. John. It's it's almost more like a, a... yeah, I don't even know what it is. But yeah, it was just like, fuck, fuck off, John. Fuck you. Ugh, jackass. I've been waiting for a long time to call him a fucking dork. I wonder, I'd be interested in what Scott Bakula thinks of this episode. because He thinks it's great. Think so? I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I hope not, you know. Yeah, because it's, it's one thing what, what other people have thought about. And I'd actually be interested in what the writers themselves... Mm. Oh, yeah. What their perspective How much was. do you regret writing this piece of we're, shit? We're just like, what do they... What what did they want, want. us to think? Yeah. You know, because it is confusing in the end. Because you would... Historically, in Star Trek, you're supposed to think that the captain did the right thing. Right. But Even I in Dear Doctor, that. somehow. Well, but we've already, uh, we've already spent time, you know, with Captain... Captain Benjamin War Crime Cisco. So maybe we were, you know. Well, I was about to say they either, you know, historically, unless they say otherwise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we, there we, have been times where they're just like, "No, you fucked up." Yeah, we there. It's either you're supposed to think that the captain did the right thing, or they go out of their way to let you like telegraph that. No, no, the captain's doing something bad now, and 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 you should you should recognize that. Delete that personal law. Yeah, when Trip takes all the responsibility himself, says, "Oh no, Captain, you're not responsible at all." It's like, but he's not. He's the one that did not let them have asylum. Like, mm, yeah, it was his his fault ultimately. Like, you can you guys can share blame all you want. Yeah, yeah, please. But no, we're supposed to feel like, oh, Trip, you did it again. <laughs> again. 
Oh, he got yeah. knocked up I feel again. Like this, this episode just really glossed over what it should have spent more time on, which was Reed and yeah, Rayla. Reed boning <laughs> down with that random yeah. alien. Yes, or Velo rather. I don't know. I just think that maybe there maybe there was no point in having more conversations with um, with Kike and, and and his wife, but I don't know. Mm. I feel like there was there was probably. A future version of this with Picard or somebody uh, as the captain would have resulted in a conversation that, like, maybe maybe came to like a compromise of some kind. It's like, okay, we recognize that the cogenitors are required for procreation, but do you have to treat them like shit? Could you maybe let them read and give them their own room and a fucking name, and maybe your culture gets a little better? I, I am just comfortable knowing we apparently never, ever reestablish friendship with them. Yeah, if we told them that, they would be like, no, fuck you guys, we don't need any of your crap, you're you're beneath us, we're already doing fine, we can fly into suns, we have all this great technology, we have really spicy food, evidently. You guys go away, we're alright. Here's my headcanon part two of this episode that we don't see. Somebody on the crew of this ship, once they get back to their home world, is telling everybody, he's like, oh my god, you wouldn't imagine what happened. There was this cogenitor on our ship, and some bozo from some other ship taught taught it to read, and then, like, when it got so bummed out, it offed itself, and then somebody, and then that, that rumor spreads throughout society, hmm. and then... And then a piece of the action. A cogenitor hears it, and is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The only thing they got from that is... A cogenitor learned how to read? We can read. We can yeah, fucking read? It's that whole, It's that EMH uh, book about how we're being treated oh, badly all over again. Or the, or yeah, the, what or is that the, called? The that trills. Author, author. author, author, right? The, or the trills, like, well, we can't let people know that yeah, joining that, is possible for that, everybody. Yeah, that it isn't just 5% of the population, um, it's like 70% or something. And then there's like a mass uprising of cogenitors. Everyone's stealing trills. <laughs> and I, I, I had a similar hope myself. Because then how do you deal with an uprising of such a vital group of people there are so few of? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. You can't just kill them all because it's like, like, they're, they, like, if they realize what a vital resource they are, it gets to Caitlin's earlier point, you know? Maybe they can get a bit more leeway. Or maybe the society totally fucks itself and goes extinct. I'm also happy with that. That would be fine. Fuck Fuck them. Uh, before we move on, one very important, not related to the plot thing that got on my last nerve. Uh-oh. Aesthetics. Uh-oh. So they do know how to do moody, darkish lighting. When was their moody, darkish lighting? Uh, a couple times, but especially in the um, cafeteria. I always forget the word. Mess hall. Sure. Because they wanted to like emphasize they're right next to a sun, so everything was kind of lit in a weird, like from the side. There were a lot of shadows in a way there normally aren't. Which means they could have had a darker Rue Repente a few weeks ago. <laughs> but then they'd have to have been right next to a star. Mm. Right. Yeah, I noticed because it reminded me very much of like the weirdly moody lighting they had in like all of Generations. Where like they were just like, oh god, we're a movie. We can do mood lighting and every scene was yeah. lit the same weird dark very way. Dark. So they did, they overdid it. But this, I was like, oh, it's like that Generation. Wait a second. You could have done this. Mm. Shakes my fist. <laughs> um... I also spent, think, felt like they spent more time than necessary, and by time necessary I mean zero time necessary, on the shuttle with Archer and 
It's like bodyboarding, Archer. Yeah, this this is probably like, nothing like, like bodyboarding. Maybe you could have used one scene of them, but like it was kind of I don't know the whole. Can I fly the ship, Dad? <gasps> like you don't you don't hire Tom Alock and then not give him stuff. To That's do. true. <laughs> but it did just seem to take away it from was the strange. other like the other more important elements of the of the episode. Well, see, I'm okay with it because it just emphasizes like banging. It emphasizes what to me is my point, which is the only real reason he's mad. Is because he's embarrassed in front of his new father. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I know we like seeing uh, Tomalak. I know we like seeing Kike. Did you guys also recognize uh, Velo, the girl who was hitting on Reed a lot? I did not. Was that? Let me take. Let me take a couple guesses. Good, what, good. Melora. No. No. Okay. okay was okay. Melora the girl that had to the do anti gravity? The wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. Um, that episode pissed me off again when I rewatched it's, it's it recently. It's an upsetting episode. I was so mad. It's supposed to be. It's, a, it's one of those episodes that's supposed to be upsetting, though. Well, it is. Okay, give me a hint. What series? Voyager. Voyager. Oh. Okay, I'm not going to get it. Is she a Borg queen? Close. Really? She's a Borg mama. Oh! Erin Hansen! Oh, oh wow! Shit. Oh, look at that. See, I wouldn't remember. I didn't remember that act, that character even getting screen time. Yeah, she had a little... Aw. Spe- speaking of Borg... Speaking of Borg, holy crap, it's on Segway! Hooray! Oh, I thought maybe that's why you saved it for no, now. No, it wasn't, but <laughs> oh my god, that's so absolutely perfect because we're moving on to regeneration. It's a dark and cold night, as it always is in the Arctic Circle. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes it's a... It's a dark and cold day in the Arctic Well, circle. half the time. <laughs> half the seasons, it's a dark and cold night. Uh, and shockingly, the polar bears are still, are still exist in the future, which is nice yes. to know. Well, they make reference to it, but for all we know, it could be a joke. Oh, sad. No, polar bears forever. They brought them back via Jurassic Park technology. So we meet some human scientists in the Arctic, Drake, Rooney, and Moninger. They had names? They had mm-hmm. names. And they're digging around in the Arctic snow, which is, I guess, their job for some reason. Uh, they're digging around, and they find, oh my god, wreckage of Borg sphere and some intact Borgs. I, think, I don't think they... I think, I think, they were there to excavate the wreckage. The wreckage... It wasn't like they They were building a snowman like Mayweather and Reed did. Like, yeah, no, there's, there's some... We'll get to it. There's some very subtle work done in this one. I got to give them credit for it. Cool. Well, before we get there, let me yeah. tell you any, all the other stuff that happens. So they find some Borgs. And we spend a lot of time with these scientists, which is kind of fascinating to me, as they're figuring out what these Borg things are, what all these random bits of Borg sphere were. Because these people have no idea what the hell Borgs are. That's not in the history books, even though Zeph and Coffin tried as hard as he fucking could. Mm-hmm. And old drunk Zeph <laughs> went on know. about zombie robots again. And a commencement address it. I think Princeton, they Who said. invited him? <laughs> what a madman. So actually, uh, fuck, damn it. I, even though we don't think these Borgs are going to be dangerous at all. Oh no, they come back to life as they usually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, assimilate everyone. Grab a ride in, I think it's called Arctic One. Their, their shuttle right. pod that can somehow go warp. Don't fucking ask. But the Borgs, you know, take over. They assimilate these people. They're also Borgs. They fly off, and we alert Archer, because that's the first person we could think of to ask, hey, guys, the the, the humans uh, found some stuff in the Arctic Circle, and it took off, and it's heading your way, and uh, could you go check it out for us? Uh, thanks, bye. Hugs and kisses, love forest. So Archer decides, okay, let's go find this thing. Oh, I hear uh, some Tarkalian vessel of some kind full of tea is asking for 
help because they're getting assimilated a lot. Let's <clears throat> let's see. It's probably the, these people again. Let's go. Let's go find them. We go find this Tarkalian vessel. Tarkalian. This is the is that the right word? I'm yeah, Tarkalian. Tarkalian. Okay, good. Oh, uh, we find them. Oh God, how did all of this work? This is what happens when I don't take the notes. They were being attacked by the Borgs. Yes, they were being attacked by Borgs. We go over and try to save them somehow. We've discovered they're, oh no, they're Borgs now. Mm-hmm. Flox is trying to save them, and he discovers, huh, they're full of all these nanopod things. Nanoborgs. That's probably fine. Like I said earlier, where's my note? Uh, you should be open-minded about fucked up cultures. They probably just really liked co- contaminating themselves with nanopods. It's all good. Oh shit, they just came back to life and attacked me. And my poor security officer who never gets a fucking name. But hey, he lives. He did live. No one dies, ever. Except Borgs now. Holy shit, guys. Uh, so Archer, no, Blocks, got himself nanoprobed in the neck a little bit. Oh, so he God. knows. He knows what's what's happening to him now. And he, he's going to try to stop and cure it and all this thing. So he's being kept under strict gun watch. Because they know, like, he's a... And he could turn at any moment. Meanwhile... We are chasing down a vessel that is full of people who could be turning into Borgs. All the time never knowing the word Borg, but that's fine. No one no one pays attention to that. We track them down. We beam some people over there. They beam some Borgs over here. We're all attacking everybody at once. We blew out those Tarkalians into space because they were trying to take over Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Dicks. And Archer had a big sad about it because he thought he could save them, and that was pretty good. So finally, we blow up some Borg... We get the ones off our ship again and said, well, I guess none of them were worth saving, but good thing we killed them all. Oh, wait, the ship is still trying to attack us? Uh, fucking nuke it. So they do. And Archer continues to have a sad, but Phlox is okay because he cured himself somehow because he's Phlox. He has radiation. No one, no one passed down this information about how to handle Borg attacks in the future, but that's fine. I mean, he tells everyone, oh, no, guys, it's the ending of Conspiracy. The mother bug translated our, or transported our our location into space, and they're on their way. But you don't understand. In two hundred years, we'll get right on it. <laughs> this is a this is a bootstrap paradox, because if it's these Borgs that alerted the Borgs in the Delta Quadrant about Earth, but the Borgs that these Borgs are from. The, the attack on Earth from first contact. Yes, it's like I come back in time to hand myself a hat so that I can, in the future, I can go back in time and hand myself a hat. Mm. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Jake, though. Even if maybe the scientists didn't know exactly what they were looking for, Starfleet had sent them there to look for it. Because why else would Starfleet be so interested in this? Why would the Admiral go personally yeah. To check out the base. It wasn't even... They haven't checked in in three days. Three days. They could just be, like, taking yeah. a nap. It's fucking the Arctic. It's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the... So, we know that Zephram Cochran had been talking to people about the Borgs yep. for a long time. Yep. And like, What an idiot. <laughs> and while most people probably thought he was just a crazy drunk man... He was. Which he was somebody may have been taking him seriously and when they discovered this wreckage in the arctic they were like this kind of kind of matches up with what what zeph was saying with the starfleet's been looking for that shit for years now 
Yeah. They knew exactly what they were looking for. Again, I don't know if the scientists knew exactly, but there's definitely some some not-the-episode conspiracy conspiracy going on here. They were trying to get themselves some cool future robot tech, and it bit them in the ass. Mm. No, the neck. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of like, uh, like uh, what was it, uh, like Alien. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm, yeah. And they were, they were, like, the company was secret. Yeah, there was a sent secret, us here on purpose. There was a secret alternate mission. Yep. No, that's exactly what I think was happening. I couldn't remember if they said it outright or not, but again, having having the Admiral go in person to this little fucking base, looking as worried as he did, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> that's subtle. Mm. Interestingly, whether or not to tell people about the Borg was used as the origin of the Mirror Universe in a Star Trek novel. Oh, neat. Yeah, Zephram deciding to tell the Vulcans about what had happened is what leads to the evil militaristic future. Because uh, basically they're preemptively terrified of the Borg. And, so they're building up their military and going yeah. nuts with it. And that's interesting. Yeah. About that predestination paradox that somehow accidentally gets introduced. I've seen the oppos- opposite argument in that this is actually now a parallel timeline, effectively. And that's why in future... In, TNG, when we first beat the Borg, we're not like, wait a minute, these things, we've heard about them, Flock's made a cure! <laughs> well, I also wouldn't, well, okay, so a couple things. I, I actually, that's sort of my uh, take on it, but I'll get to that. Oh, good. I don't know that they necessarily would, like, this is one mission that took place 200 years before the Borgs. Like, would anybody have known on the Enterprise D... Like, is somebody going to be like, huh, this is oddly familiar. Uh, I think I read something about this. No, they put they put a file with a 200 years from now yes. open date that will automatically pop up in their emails and be like, read this. But then it got dumped to spam. <laughs> but yeah, it, it feels like a thing you classify and forget happened yeah, exactly. by the time it's an issue. Yeah. But to, your, to the other point, though, I do think that this is probably... Uh, this being an alternate timeline makes a lot of the things make more sense. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're canon crazy, if you're a a cannoneer. I remember one of the things that a lot of people always complained about was how futuristic Enterprise looks compared to TOS. Which is stupid, which I agree is stupid. It is stupid. (laughs) But if you say that the events of First Contact led to a timeline split Mm. and accelerated the pace of technological development in some way you could say that maybe that all of enterprise is in the is in the first contact mm-hmm. timeline yeah i think you suggested this years ago and that, that, that first contact might have created a bit yeah of a... and then and then you could by that same thing you could say that discovery and strange new worlds is also in the first contact timeline mm-hmm. yeah potentially mm-hmm. because again they they don't really match up with what we see in in other contemporary series yeah which means there's actually now the prime timeline the first contact timeline the kelvin timeline Mm -hmm. the mirror universe uh that one where Worf didn't win that contest the one where he did but came in second Mm -hmm. the one where he he didn't show up and got like a letter in the mail (laughs) saying where were you asshole Got the participant trophy. There's Will Probe 
destroys Earth timeline. Yes. <laughs> Whale probe doesn't destroy Earth timeline. Yeah. The other canon complaint that I've seen is when the when the Borgs like announced themselves to the Enterprise with the you know you you will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. This is our favorite tagline thing. They don't say we are the Borg, which they usually do, but they don't always do actually. So. But also maybe just the the transmission, maybe the opening just didn't make it for. Oh so yeah, Hoshi had hit Hoshi play wasn't doing her damn game. job. Damn it, Hoshi! What else is new? They got that other guy that was helping out while she was having that uh, nightmare. And they, uh... <laughs> no, that was only a man from her dream. Her dream man. Well, someone find out if he's actually on the ship and see if he can figure this out. Because oh god, can't. was this the episode where they really fucking hosed Mayweather? Oh gosh, probably. No, oh, was it, was it the last one? one? Was one of these? There's a, there's he, a... he didn't appear at all in Cosmetic. In one of them, not even on the bridge. This... I think he appeared in the background. Okay. But... There's a moment in one of them, probably this one, where. I think it was this one. Yeah, I think you're right. Where, you know, he gives an order to Mayweather who gives a meaningful look doesn't say anything and then he sits down and you're worried, is he even going to say aye aye from Rocket? No. No, <laughs> Anthony Montgomery was literally there to make a face. Oh, the poor thing. Uh, he had a couple of lines in this one so I think it might have been the last one. Okay. Um, he had lines. Holy shit. Like a couple, like aye aye captain type <laughs> One eye is sufficient. Yeah, I was shocked on, on Hoshi's behalf that they sent her in with the food for Phlox. And this, and he says, "Ah, oh, I see you've got a, a phase pistol." And she's like, "Fuck yeah, I'll use it too. I'm not scared. I should be scared." Well, we know her aim's gotten better. She she taught those farmers how to shoot. Yeah, but this after that big attack with the not Nosigans, I've already forgotten Tarkalians. Yeah. And knowing that phaser f- pistol doesn't always work on them, because this is when Reed is still yeah. souping up their rifles. Well, it's also well, yeah. Again, we don't know the inf- we don't have all the information. Presumably, they want to get Hoshi killed. Uh. Well, there's also another security guy there, so... Barely. He's, and he already proved himself completely ineffective the first time the Borgs attacked, but... <laughs> he had, like, one line. Does ouch count as a line? That'd be two. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Here's what's dumb, though, about the stupid ending. The, oh no, they know we're here. The Borgs ending. get alerted to them tech... I mean, we know that Borg timeline has gotten very complicated anyway. Mm-hmm. But initially it was just cue through the Enterprise at them. But then it turns out also they might have read the Hansons' emails. Oh, yeah, the Hansons were first. Uh, or maybe that the signal the Borg had tried to send with the interplexing beacon did get through a little, like... There's lots of ways the Borg could have found us. I mean, They already we, knew we existed. Well, we also are pretty sure, I think, that it was the Borg that were attacking the, the stations along the neutral zone. Yes. No, in the neutral zone. In the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so I mean, the Borgs were in the neighborhood. Already. Yeah, they already knew. Like, you didn't need to add this dumb. Also, the holographic bullets joke was dumb. Um, <laughs> it was dumb, but it was cute. I guess. It I was, was just like, oh, rude. haha, I got it. This episode was already doing enough first contact stuff. It's a yeah. lot of first contact stuff. And they did it well uh, for a TV show. It was it was fun. I thought there was ample, like, a real, like, I don't know. I thought the tension in this episode was really well done. It I was. think so, too, yeah. It was treated like a, like an action horror. It was like yeah. a thing. It was very cinematic. Yeah. yeah. There was they they did they scored it very differently than a normal episode. I felt like like the, yeah. the high tension kind of music was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All in all, I just thought that this was a, a higher quality production than we've seen. That's on the thing. Enterprise in a while. I'm kind of annoyed because it's a pretty good episode, but it's like because you brought in something old again. We know these things work. Yeah. It's like it's like last season when they brought in Renee, oh, Renee yeah. version one. They brought in 
Jeffrey Combs and Friends. And they name dropped the Binars even for yeah, fun. Yeah, there's a I Binar reference. Just. Yeah, I read there's a good note. Where's my note? Doot, doot, doot. Uh, Braga had originally refused to feature the Borg on Enterprise, yeah. calling it a, quote, cheap trick. Mm-hmm. But then they showed him this uh, this script, and he liked the concept of, like, okay, this is an interesting way of getting the Borgs on here that doesn't sound as convoluted as, say, acquisition. Yeah, it's not as convoluted, but it's still a cheap trick, let's oh, be honest. Of but like, they did a good episode. No, they did. They did. But it but is the, sad. It was that, styled in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It was It was good. Like, it was properly tense. I think, was this, like, this might be the longest we have ever gone in any Star Trek ever in an episode without seeing one of the main cast. Oh, oh that, yeah. that whole intro? Yeah, like, there was, it was a while before we cut to Enterprise. Yeah, it was the for whole first act, I felt like. Was... Yeah, which I think that was very good story. It was. It's, like, mm. I'm surprised they did it. Like, I feel like something even the better shows normally, you're like, we gotta see one of the main people by, like, three minutes tops, you know? Yeah, and this is the, full, the whole first act is just in Arctic area. Yeah. With our science friends. Yeah. I appreciated a little bit that they also, although they did bring up a lot of first contact stuff they did not explicitly like show us a previously on with like the ship blowing up or something yeah um i kind of expected it that is a good point like we are like the fact you're kind of left to yourself to figure out oh the borgs there must be the ones that were on the borg sphere that crashed yeah what's interesting too is like you realize we are of course viewing this as viewers of star trek Archer might be thinking this is some temporal Cold War bullshit. Because all he heard is, people from the future showed up. Yeah. He doesn't know what the what? fuck the Borg are. Why didn't they he... lean into that? Why didn't, well, yeah, why didn't he go check Daniels' uh, magic... Because right. they forget it exists. Or they should have taken their Suleiman cell ship down. Oh, wait. Uh... Well, see, then he would have just read about the Borg. and been like, Oh, no, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, it's interesting to think of. Like, from his point of view, this might be in the back of his mind. Is like, oh, fuck, when's Daniel's going to show up? <laughs> Ruin my day again. But we, as the viewers, kind of don't think about that. We're like, ah, oh, yes, I saw First Contact. Mm. Yeah, and if I didn't, uh, Archer just read this Zephram Cochran thing that really yeah. kind of explains it for us a little bit. I also appreciated how, you know, because, again, they, they're fully, the writers are expecting that we, the audience, know what the Borg are and know the deal. Yeah. Um, you get a hard on when we see them. Yeah. <laughs> they know who they're, they know who they're, they're, they're doing the show for. But they, it, and it's, it's fun as a viewer, I think, to watch the Enterprise crew kind of fumble their way through learning about the Borg. Yeah. You know, from like not quite understanding what it is, thinking it's some kind of virus or yeah, something. Immediately, every single time they see one, they're like, "Oh, there's no reason we we should think it's harmful, <clears throat> guys." Oh no. Yeah. And then yeah. the audience laughs because we know. Yeah. Well, as even you know, like like even uh, you realize that 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 flocks being kind of chill. They mention it's easy to miss, but they mention the the Arctic science when they're analyzing the bodies. One is like. I know Denobula has been kind of fucking with nanobots, so that's why he would look at it especially and just be like, "Oh yeah, nan- what? Nothing to be afraid of. Nanobots are normal." Hmm. So like for him, it's not even being open minded. This is just something he does sometimes, or his people do. So yeah. Yeah, I actually give uh, Flocks because normally I don't. When Flocks is on screen, I'm like growl, growl, grumble at things. His scene with Hoshi was interesting because like he was telling her, "No, don't get close to me." 
stay over there because mm-hmm. I don't trust this. And then he tells Archer later, like, if I turn, you put me down. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's some good stuff right there. So yeah. I do give him some credit for that. Yeah. I also feel like maybe the, the issue with the flux cure is, like, he had to take a huge dose of some very specific kind of radiation. It's possible not all species could survive it. What's interesting is that the radiation that he did was Omicron radiation, which was the same radiation oh, yeah. from the previous episode. That's true. Uh, the progenitor ship. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So, he, apparently there's an inoculation against that radiation that you could give somebody and then... But then... A radiation inoculation, Well, the, Well, the Borg nanoprobes assimilate the, the inoculation. Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. So, if Trip got it, if Trip had been injected by nanoprobes, he would have had invincible nanoprobes. No! <laughs> or he just would have been invulnerable. Mm. They just stick him in the neck. He's like, I tickled. Oh, dang, like a bad hickey. Rude. I had a date tonight. With his right hand. Uh, here's a note. Maybe his left hand. So Bonita, I'm going to say Friederici, but I'm not sure if that's at all right. She, uh, she played Rooney, one of the human scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Billingsley's real wife, life, real life wife. Oh, neat. And he had suggested to the uh, uh, casting team people that she should play all of his wives. That- uh, but that didn't happen. She she auditioned for this, and Braga and Berman, I guess, like pretended they didn't know her in the casting room, so that they wouldn't appear biased. <laughs> and she did her own stunt because they didn't want to find they didn't want to have to build another Borg costume because already the one she was wearing was the one Roxanne Dawson wore in Voyager. <laughs> oh, funny. Hmm. She uh, was fine. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I recognize the random blonde scientist. I looked him up. The only thing I possibly could have known him from is he's a member of Griff Tannen's gang. Not Griff. Uh, Buford Tannen's gang in Back to the Future 3. Hmm. Is he the one that says, but we were going to rob the Pine City stage? I think so. Or the one that said, I think Buford's going to jail, but that might be the same one. Mm. Uh, there was also talk of following up on this episode in season five of Enterprise, mm. which we all know didn't happen, to potentially bring back Alex Kriege, and she would be a Star a Starfleet medical technician who would make contact with the Borg, and then that is where Borg Queen came from. Oh, that that's over that in the pudding. Dumb. Yeah, no, don't do that. I mean, I like Alex Kriege. <laughs> don't do that. But that's, no, that's, you get one. Yeah. You, yeah. you get one little sneaky Borg episode in your prequel series. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Nope, Ferengi next week. <laughs> We've already had Ferengi, though. And they sucked. <laughs> All right, well, let's have... Uh, who else shouldn't we have met yet? Cardassians. There we go. I actually think I think they could have done... Because the thing is, Cardassians are like neighbors. They're, they're not that far away from Earth, I don't think. Well, we know that they're sharing a border with the Federation in the 24th century. We don't know... True. And by then, you've got much faster ships. It's a little vague as to where they are. Well, so they're they're close to Beta Z, evidently, because that's one of the first places that they invade during the war. That's true. And Beta Z, I assumed, was not that far off. Yeah. Then again, it turns out from Enterprise, Kronos is super close, which I never would have assumed. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, my impression is that, like, Kronos, Vulcan, and Andoria are all, like, very nearby Earth. Yeah. There are definitely lots of star charts, but none of them are canon. So yeah. Good luck. 
Now you'll have to remind me because I either I've lost track or or is this the first time Archer is definitively de definitively imp uh, responsible for people's deaths? Where he like ordered when he ordered them to blow the the Borgs out of the airlock. Yeah, the airlock blow. Um, I mean, he's had them blow ships up before, hasn't he? Has he? That's the question. I mean, th he's definitely had some Suliban ships blown up. And I'm sure some Suliban got killed that time he had Reed give him a bomb and the... Not premiere. Pilot. But yeah, this might be the most... This might be the first time he didn't just have a ship blown up from a distance kind of thing. Yeah, open the door and blow them into space is a little more personal than... Yeah, like even... We're in battle. Even the other week in Canamar, probably, with the prison transport ship that was going into a... Yeah, he tried to save that guy. Yeah, he was trying desperately to save that guy. That was apparently not his fault. Yeah. yeah, and even this, like, blow, yeah, like this is like... Like, the show kills very few people, but Archer kills even less. Yeah. yeah. This seemed to be as, you know, it was difficult for him to make that choice. Yeah. Because, on one hand, it's like, oh, the Tarkalians are not going to be pleased when we called them and told them we're bringing, you know, we're going to try to save their uh, colleagues. But also, he was left with zero choice because they were fucking with the ship. Yeah. They were going to die either way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and also, like, just those those board getting killed, even, is, like, that's probably the highest level extra we've had directly shot by a Starfleet officer. Like, that, we've kind of sort of got a body count now in a way that is a little more direct than it has been the few times where we've joked about people have died. Yeah, I mean, when he, go, when he, when he and Reed go to the Borg ship, they're just taking out Borgs left and right, though. Yeah, but they specifically do get the, like, researchers we gotten to semi no sort of yeah so that's right, right. he does um he found when rooney comes in you know we are bored we will yeah. smell at you and they shoot the hell out of rooney and look he looks and says ah this one was one of the human resourcers mm -hmm. from the arctic thing yeah but my scanner isn't reading her as human anymore so how did he recognize her <laughs> from a photo <laughs> sure let's go with that Flox, this looks like your wife yeah <laughs> 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 read Captain, you, you killed you killed Borg Rooney. She was a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Reed was so happy this episode. Oh, oh he got to shoot so many things and, to, and, and upgrade the up phasers. Guns. Yeah, he loved it. Pew pew. He's like, okay, like he's just got to remember to turn them back down because there's no way they can shoot at that extra beefed up level more than a few times before just exploding in your hand. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and I love, like, at last, last episode we were yelling at T'Pol for being wrong. This episode, the first thing she says is, Archer, you're not going to be able to save those people. I would I would advise destruction. I'm like, there she is! There's my girl! That's like we said, that, that, that's the early days Spock approach. Fucking kill it! There's no going back. I mean, she, she didn't have the background, but she was right. That's it. As the audience, we know. It's like, no, no, John, she's right. They can barely de-assimilate people in the 24th century. Your fucking bare skins and stone tools ass won't be able to manage. Yeah, maybe you can salvage some of the tech. That's a bad idea. Because any bit of the tech could come back to life at any time and fuck your shit up. Mm-hmm. 
That's why all the stuff from the Arctic is in a very deep vault somewhere under Starfleet headquarters. Yeah, right that next to the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. yeah, cement that thing in. The Ark of the Covenant, Data's head. Just a bunch of them. Yeah. They talk to each other. <laughs> and one bender head. Yeah, it went through time and dimensions. Shut up. I can't do bender at all. <laughs> Wasn't even going to try. Because I knew it just wouldn't work. We can't all be John DiMaggio. No, that's true. Damn it. He's trying so hard. Here's to you, you, John DiMaggio. Um, Bite my shiny golden metal ass. Yeah. Is that... Do we have anything else? I got nothing. I think we got yeah. something to, something to talk about. Two hundred. Let's, let's give them something to talk about. Yeah. What let's about Dax? Oh, oh wait, wait! Go. I did have one last. Damn thing. it! My beautiful segue. Sorry. No, ter- my terrible segue. There is one thing. There's one thing in this show that makes sense that does not work in almost any other Star Trek. Enterprise really is the only Starfleet ship in the area. <laughs> it's true. Pretty much ever. <laughs> yes. And it's the certainly the only one that's capable of reaching. Because yeah. it's the fastest one. Like in this one, it was just like we're the only ship around. It's like, oh fuck, that actually makes sense for once. Yeah, we asked the Vulcans, and they they didn't pick up. I mean, this does seem like the kind of thing that maybe it would have made sense to involve the Vulcans. Maybe they weren't here. Zombie monsters are. Yeah, how, stealing a ship. How many Vulcan ships are just around? That's they just, should also always they, be. In they're around place. when the story calls for it. Yeah. They probably just have, like, do not disturb mode on most of the time. Like, whatever your stupid little human problems are, we have more important shit to deal with. Oh, it's Archer, we're not home. Exactly, I was about to say, like, (laughs) sir, we're getting a hail. Who is it? Archer. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to send him to voicemail. Don't, don't, don't hit send him to voicemail. He'll know you did it. Just let it ring out. (laughs) Tell him I'm dead. (laughs) Might have been interesting if they, if instead of a Tarkalian ship, it had been a Klingon ship that they encountered. And it was, we had some Klingon Borgs. I feel like we don't get enough of those. Mm. That's we double got, makeup. Korok, but that's about it. Yeah. Oh, I liked Korok. Read my fanfic. Speak, you know I like Klingons? Dax? Yeah! Dax loves Klingons! Thank, thank you, Jake, you found the segue. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the, like, mostly Jadzia, maybe a little Ezri, maybe a little Curzon, uh, for those of you who like the Curzon. Because this week is our Dax Spotlight Week, and boy, she sure is trill. I'm going to uh, start. Wow. You're going with best moments from Dax. Yep. Okay. I gotta I gotta do it. I'm gonna give one to Esri. Whoa! I got a good one for Esri. Oh good. Let's see if they're the same. I, one. I just felt like she was gonna get left out, so I, I found one for her. When she did the maybe questionable choice of calling on Duran to help her in a murder mystery. Oh, interesting. She did manage to resist his whisperings. And she did solve the murder. She did. So, you know, was that the best plan? No. But, you know what? She resisted him, and we know she's having issues even, like, separating herself from Jadzia. So, good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Uh, nothing good for her. She She's, like, probably one of the few Starfleet people who isn't just shitty about Ferengi. Mm. And, like, her and Quark are buddies. And... We play Tongo all the fucking time. Yeah, and her being like, I'm not going to be your friend anymore is part of what convinces him to not be a weapons dealer. Mm. And then I've got two. Which one am I going to go with? She was willing to permanently die for love in Rejoined. Yay. Mm. Yeah, I'll go. So I'm going to throw out... I also... I I, I had the, the 
Field of Fire murders mystery thing, but I'm gonna I added four, so I'm gonna swap it in. Okay. Just so we have a little more variety. Although I did, even though I, we didn't like Field of Fire as an episode. No, it was much. a good thing for it was a good it was character thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but I'll throw in a different uh, Esri moment. Okay. And say helping Garrick with his crippling anxiety in uh, After Image. Oh, word. In that, like, was that was interesting in that it also like help helping Garrick helped herself because she figured out that's when she figured out that she wanted to stay on yeah on DS9. So there you go, Esri for you. I also said, and I'm not taking off her, her relationship with with Lenara Khan. And, yeah, that's um, a great episode. And rejoined. Yeah, and just, you know, everyone loves a little girl-on-girl action, so, you know, there you go. And then I'm willing to say the epic team-up with Kor, Koloth, and Kang in Blood Oath. That that was... That was the one I decided to bump off because, like, someone else will definitely yeah, say definitely. it. It was very high on my list. It was yeah. number two. It would have gotten said. But how about Caitlin? Uh, I also said Blood Oath. Yeah. Um, because it's pretty cool that Jedzia decided to um, still keep her Blood Oath in spite of being a different person. She looks great in that Klingon garb, too. She does. Let's see. Jedzia fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a specific... Well, no, actually, I do. And actually, I can link it to a different one, too. She, um, so uh, the one where she has an initiant, it might be called the initiant, I don't know. But she... No, it's called Playing God. Yeah, it is? Yes. Well, she has an initiate? Yeah. That's like season two? Something like that. that. And and she treats him like shit. No, not at first, really, I think. Um... Well, anyway, I think she actually ultimately is good to him because she gives him really good advice and helps him out. So I would say being, uh, not letting herself be as awful to her initiate as Curzon was to her is a good thing. But the other part was she like bangs that wrestling guy or or says they're just wrestling, but I don't really believe it. So I would say Jedzia fucks is just a overarching third good thing well and you also, know also captain Baudet mm, with the transparent, with transparent skull, skull. Oh, yeah. so hot and mourn apparently yeah. maybe. and mourn. And, uh, and uh let's see the guy from meridian oh, and yeah. okay. which i mean like you know you feel how you want about it but they did fuck and obviously wharf and yeah. uh well and for the it's impressive too is for the time like it wasn't presented as a thing to be looked down upon mm. she was just a woman who enjoyed fucking and it wasn't Presented as bad, which is still super common, but especially in the fucking nineties. Oh, that's okay. She has a male worm in her belly, mm. which sounds actually, gross worm, when you say it out yeah, loud. The worm, the, the worm is like engendered, that. but I think it's that she has Curzon's memory. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Curzon is is lo- is long depicted as someone who fucks. Oh my god, he was a horny prick. All right, good. Go to choices so far. Let me add a couple more. Uh, I loved that in the Sword of Kaelas, she was the only adult in the room mm-hmm. when Worf and Kor were being dicks about that fucking sword. Seriously. I thought that was some good Jadzia moments right there. It was. There. Speaking of her and, and um, Klingons, she also helps Quark woo Grilka, which is very oh, that's right. cute, and I love that. Forgot about that. And then she bangs Worf, but um, <laughs> mostly the helping Quark because you know she's friends with Quark. She's yeah. the one not racist against Rent a Ferengi. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know that Odo necessarily hates all Ferengi. He just doesn't trust Quark, which which is actually loving Ferengi. And also, let's be honest. In this case, is actually based on years of evidence, not just a knee jerk reaction. Don't trust Quark. <laughs> No, I put this one down as one of my tops because I just finished reading that uh, Ben Sisko book you guys gave me. Oh. And oh, you that, finished it? I did. Was it great? 
Was it good? The first half is great. Okay. The second half is just rehashing Deep Space Nine. Oh. Yeah. The ending well. is weird. But the first half is great. Um, right. He brings up that it's a, it was Jadzia who discovered the wormhole. And I was like, ooh. Well, they were together cuts. when they just, they discovered, they were both in the runabout. But didn't she, like, find it or something? Let's go with that. I, I like I'm it. Gonna I'll, give, I'll give it to I'm going to give, give Jadzia credit because yeah. that's what Ben Sisko did. Yeah. And I think that's cool. It is. So I expanded the remit a bit from Abad's. Okay, expanded Did the you remit. Go to Curzon? Like, to other, to other Dax. Other Dax is doing bad things. Duran Dax, psychotic <laughs> murderer. Curzon Dax, initially not letting Jadzia into the program because he wanted to bone her. Yeah, what an asshole. Gross. Yeah, he sucks. Oh, Varad, Varad. Uh, and an actually, like, bad Jadzia moment. Like, Jadzia. Bad. You were going to throw everything away for a guy you'd known for 10 minutes in Meridian? Oh, yeah. Like, yep, yep. And the worst part, too, is, like, that was a... I feel like that was after, like, they decided not to have her just be boy crazy like she was in the first season or so two. So boy crazy. Like, she was a more mature now, and then she's nope, like... still boys. I'm going to just... Like, yeah, it seems weird, right? Last one, I was like, she was ready to let the, tr- the symbiote die, but that was to get back with someone she had loved and known previously. This is a dude she's known for, like, three days. Like... What? <laughs> hmm. All right. So I got really, this is more just, I don't know, not speaking, literally not speaking in her own defense. Yep. In Dax. In Dax. Mm-hmm. That's a good when, one. When she's on trial for a murder that Curzon didn't commit. Yeah. And she knows Curzon and didn't she commit knows. because she was Curzon. And she's just, and basic, and even though she knows that it's just, she's protecting some broad's honor or something yeah, was really why yeah. like, but and like she just and she lets uh cisco do all the talking and it's just it was weird i don't know what the deal was i blame the writers more than anything for that. yeah i'm gonna say not dumping wharf's miserable prude <laughs> <Whoa>. ass after <laughs> he joins a literal yeah. terrorist group yep yeah uh, you you owe her buddy and, and, like, honestly, just not dumping Worf's ass many times. True. Because Worf kind of is a load. Oh, he is, like, just the worst partner. Whatever. She loves that Klingon and, you know... That double dick. And Kor was getting up there in age, so... Cole also saw all right, though. Oh, wait, he died. Yeah. But he probably used to stick both Dang. dicks in Curzon's butt, right? So, Weird. like... Just... <laughs> What's your third one, Jake? Um, third one is going to be... This is an Ezri moment. Mm. Oh. And again, banging Worf. Because <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and it's not just because Worf's a load and shouldn't be banged, but also, what a terrible fucking idea. Yeah. yeah he yeah. really likes to marry everyone he's intimate yeah. with. And you know that. And also, he's been fucking weird to you the entire time you've been on the station because he like can't cope with you. Being his not wife, ex formerly former wife, who's now his dead not wife, wife twice removed. Also, not wife twice removed. This is exactly. after she like defied orders and oh, yeah. left the station. To... Don't don't go find the missing wharf and waste a shuttle pod mm-hmm. and go into the badlands. She's like, nope, I'm doing it. No one checks runabouts. <laughs> but also, like, not to be crude, but Jadzia was a sturdy woman. Mm-hmm. Ezri. Doesn't look to be. And we know Klingon... She's lucky he didn't snap her in half. And we're not lucky he didn't. <sighs> Poor Ezri. Fuck her. Whoop. Sorry. 
Worf did. Yeah. No. Ah. Okay, so other than just being Ezri Dax, what have you got, Caitlin? Uh, well, fucking Julian. Leading into this one, in good God, what episode is this? After image, she reveals that, reveals that Jadzia secretly liked being chased by him. She I thinks, saw that. Fact, yeah, the that fact was that gross. you're gonna gross. then fuck him. It's like Ezri, damn it, you fucking idiot. Yeah. My second thing, of course, is Ezri fucking Worf. Yep. <clears throat> And my third thing is Jadzia getting fucking killed by Goldicott like a fucking dumb bitch. What the fuck was that? And that's not Jadzia's fault. That's the writer's fault. But god damn it. That's the worst Jadzia. That's the worst Dax moment of all is that Jadzia dies and then we're stuck with fucking Ezri. So. Yeah, piling on that. The other thing about, about her death that's the fucking stupidest is her death line is Worf the baby. And it's like, oh, right, because now you're just baby crazy. You're just an incubator. Okay, oh, baby. It's not that you were a, a, a fully formed character who developed and had like three, like, nope. so many li- dimensions within dimensions because of the trill thing. But yeah. nope, now you're just baby. Gross. I have some others, though, to bring up. Bring it up. I'll always bring up this one because even though I think it's. What the ep- I don't fucking know. It's when she groveled to Sorella in You Are Cordially Invited to Get the Wedding Back On. Mm. Didn't like it. Thought it was entirely out of her character. Thought it was entirely out of Klingon culture. What the fuck is up with that? Gross. Yeah, it's easy to forget that that's kind of... Because you just... I just mostly think about how much Martok thinks she's great. <laughs> yeah, but whatever the... If, if they had made it like, Ah, yes, you were supposed to try to defy me because that makes yeah, you a Yeah, that would have made a lot more... Yeah. Done! Yay! No, I agree. That's I exactly just, what Jadzia is. I, I forget about that aspect of the episode because I just think about Martok and I'm you're reminding me, I guess, is what I'm saying, and I appreciate that. Alright, this one's gonna come up probably another time after this one, but I'll, I'll mention it here as well. Because everyone deserves blame for this, and that's the role she played in wiping Kern's memory in Sons mm. of Moe. Because she was there for it, and True. she was totally fine with all of it. God damn it, that's just disgusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the last one. Oh boy, some of these were stupid ideas. Here's a good one. Oh God, in facets. When it's her Jean Terat time. <laughs> and she's going around asking everyone to be, you know, possessed by her. For her Jean Terat. The way that she got Quark to go, to agree to be Audrid, I want to say, mm-hmm. was by giving him Umox. And oh. good God, there's so many fucking times in this show women give give Ferengi umox and I hate it every time. No, that's fair. That is fair. It is always gross. It is always bad and I hate it. Ta-da. Umox, more like, ooh, no. What? Sure. Well, that is it for this week. Thank you, as always, for joining us on A Star to Steer Her By. Next week, we will be looking at First Flight and Bounty. First Flight, is that the one with Keith Carradine? How would I know that? Any relation to David Carradine? Yes. It's the one I think. It might be. I might be thinking of a different one. Who is our character next week? Julian Bashir. Oh, boy. Fucking Ezri. Oh, expect expect that moment I I mentioned a moment to come up again. (laughs) Chasing Jadzia. (laughs) (laughs) Next week. Next week. 
Uh, yes, until then. Being a fucking bitch about the Carrington Award. There <laughs> we go. I've done my Julian Bashir part. All just, right, Caitlin Connick next week. It off. is the one with Perfect. Keith Carradine. <laughs> Who is that? He is David Carradine's. Dave, David Carradine's brother. Brother. Okay. David Carradine. We, uh, the only thing we did know himself. We, a, saw, did him, himself we a, saw him recently in a season of Fargo. In the first season, he played the cops father that ran the diner oh i liked him okay well there we go so look forward to keith carradine and look forward to us uh follow us on the facebook and the tumblr uh, our blogs are there uh, is up probably right now yeah yeah so until then this has been chris this has been Nate. this has been caitlin this is always jake resistance is pretty easy sometimes if you're flocks <laughs> <laughs>